always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the white stand, making the club back way inside, releasing the club. One of the greatest ball strikers I'd ever seen. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the McKellar Golf Podcast. My name is Lawrence Donegan. A quick apology, we didn't manage to get a show out last week. There was a bit of illness in the camp. Uh, also, 17-hour time difference, which uh, made things pretty tricky as well. But anyway, we are back early this week. Uh, Jeff Shackelford, my co-host. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing super. I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better and glad you're back in the, in the States because we've got a lot going on, Lawrence. Yeah, uh, we missed uh, we missed um, the big Dilap win at the Amex. We'll come on to that in a second. We I thought we would start. Uh, there's a lot on this week. I thought we would start this week at Pebble Beach, AT&T Pro Am, uh, and what are these events called? Are the elevated signature. events or the uh, signature signature events? Yeah, I get confused again. That's a real brand well, failure. They've had three names, so it's understandable. Yeah. They went from elevated to designated to signature. And there'll be something else uh, probably when uh, when the merger's done. Excuse me, the, uh, the, the um, yeah partnership. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, when it's done, we'll come on to that. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Um, so we have Pebble Beach 18T. Uh, Live Golf is back this week. Uh, it's first event of the 2024 season in Mayakoba. I, I I don't know what to start with, Jeff. We'll give a bit of the game away. We tried to record this earlier, and we started with Liv. I didn't feel comfortable. I don't know. I don't think the McKellar Golf Podcast should start ever with a, a Live Golf did. event. You just did. You just uh, brought no. up the Live event. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, I, I was setting up um, ah. I, I was setting up the week. Uh, so Pebble Beach, we have uh, Maya Cobra. The other one, a quick uh, note on this, Jeff. Um College golf is back this week. It's the spring season, the big run up to the um, to the national championship at La Costa. Uh, actually, I heard um, John Fields, the Texas golf coach, was on Subpar podcast, and he, he gave you a name drop uh, talking about moving the whole event, uh, the national championship to La Costa, and it seems like it was your idea. Are you claiming credit for that? No, no, but we did have a conversation where I, I uh, he was asking about places. You know what they should do. I remember we were at Aaron Hills walking around that uh, very large golf course, and um, uh, were we watching? Who were we watching? Anyway, uh, it was one of the UT guys, and uh, yeah, we just started chatting, and I said, "You, you got, you, you know, La Costa would be perfect because it's West Coast and San Diego, and and it needs work though." And he goes, "Well, one of our biggest donors is is uh, owns it, and then there you go. It, it kind of went from there, and." And uh, I'm sure my uh, my my finder's fee is somewhere in in the mail somewhere. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I I would I'd like to be more positive, but uh, right now they've got college golf's got bigger issues to deal with. And uh, I mean, it's it, the vision he has for it is fantastic. Don't get me wrong; I think it's all the right uh, moves. But yeah. This week was an event that uh, Pepperdine hosts that used to be on the Golf Channel. Now it's not. You just get the sense that Golf Channel's waving the the uh, white flag on its when it was all in on college golf not that long ago, and uh, you know it, it's a mess with NILs and that stuff. But big picture, the bigger issue is is what's their 
future in terms of uh, media. You know, the women's side of college sports is is picking up some nice deals uh, because the numbers are there, and college golf needs needs that element of uh, television and storytelling and and stuff because it's they're producing the next tour players quite a bit now and uh the pga tour is certainly milking them with their pga tour u but they also the whole thing doesn't work if you don't kind of raise the profile of the college game like the college game is a uh, high profile for other sports so he knows that they know that but what the, there's only um, so much they can do when you have when you have a media partner that's uh giving up and um so it'll be up to them to see if they can find a better deal or or maybe in this new uh, tour uh, situation, they will get some money to bolster uh, what is, I think, is quickly becoming the most important feeder to the next level of golf, which is college golf, almost more than the Corn Ferry. I say that though, and then you know, Stephen Yeager almost won the won the Tory, and he's a he's a kind of a Corn Ferry vet, uh, even though he's from from overseas. So uh, it, it, people come from different places. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah. I think with college golf, you have something, at least in the United States, the rest of the world could care less. But in the United States, it matters to people because people have an, an allegiance to certain schools, whether they went there or not, which is always a little yep. weird. And um, and I and I just think that the way college golf works, having played it a little and seeing what happens, four years, uh, the travel, you develop. Uh, I I just think it's a great way to to if you are aspiring to be a pro, it's a great way to to mature, get better, uh, be around a university athletic department. I mean, these athletic departments are just incredible right now. What they can do in terms of uh, educating athletes on nutrition and fitness and uh, all that stuff, and making and just giving them time to grow up, you know. And we're going to talk about this. It's my I I, I don't I hate to be that that uh, Debbie Downer and the recurring theme, but we, you know, the golf yeah. youth desperation syndrome to rush people to, to the pro game for marketing reasons is, is just disgusting. And uh, so stay in college kids. The, uh, a couple of points before we will come on to that. It's a very good, interesting uh, topic. A couple of points on the college golf stuff last year, Jeff, you mentioned the golf channel getting out of it. It's just can't believe it, especially because the, the pathway, as Dunlap Blues, the pathway between college golf and the pro game, the top level of the pro game, has, has never been, not smooth is the wrong word, but it's 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 there. The link is it's there. there. It's yeah. obvious to everybody. Um, but last year, the Golf Channel was showing you Pepperdine events, a great event. Um, this, I think it's the Southwestern Intercollegiate or something. Uh, last year, it was on the Golf yeah. Channel. I sat and watched it for hours because I'm a saddle. Uh, this year, I spent ages yesterday trying to, get live scoring yeah well that's i mean it's i mean it's just another debacle yeah yeah i mean an absolute debacle and again you know i didn't want this to pass without mentioning it i mean that deal the ncda signed nc 2a signed up college golf with um what were they called again um oh my god the spike mark or spiked or spiked beverage or something uh, Spike beverage, uh, it never worked. So live scoring never worked. So any all fans of college golf couldn't actually follow what was going on in college golf. So you have the fiasco now, uh, where yesterday uh, college golf kicks off. Yesterday, there's all sorts of good rate events from Florida to the West Coast, and you couldn't get live scoring. It's I mean it's the the website I think it's Smart Golf. It's called is back up today and it's running 
decently today, but it's farcical. Um, and it's farcical that the, that the Golf Channel has got out of college golf. The PGA, you know, I, I understand the, the Golf Channel has its funding issues. The PGA Tour, which, as you say, is now sucking, you know, sticking very closely to college golf and this PGA Tour U thing is, is really good and credit to them for that. But they should be funding some kind of media deal or they should be contributing to some kind of media deal where college golf can be shown live on TV. As you say, um, the new e the NC2A deal with ESPN, it was I think it was $900 million, a new media rights deal, largely driven by Caitlin Clark, the, uh, the female basketball well, Women's player. volleyball, um, there's a few sports. Yeah. Yeah. Women's basketball's so, uh, on, I, on the rise, et cetera, yeah. So, so while other college sports are getting more and more mainstream sports media coverage, college golf seems to be slipping I, away, which I, is completely yeah. counterintuitive. Given what's going on, the standard of play well, at college golf, Anyway, I think uh, in I think crazy. at different times the tour would be in agreement and and doing some things, but they're just facing this existential threat. And I think it's uh, they've they've probably it's just not high on the on the list. And uh, and when all this plays out, I think you have to assume there's going to be some uh, reconsideration of their media partnership with uh, with Golf Channel and even the networks potentially, depending on which way things go. And uh, at that point, that's where you 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 reevaluate and you wonder. And I know it's not a money maker. It's a it might be even a money loser in a lot of cases. Although there were sponsorship elements, so who knows? Of they claim Golf Channel does. It costs a million bucks to do one of those tournaments now. Um, I, you know, so I don't know, but uh, that's a big number uh, for for a tiny rating. But again, you're doing it. As an well, investment, if you're serious about everything, if you're just serious and they're just not serious at this point, except well, about I mean, finding costs. We're, we're, we're talking about Pebble this morning. Uh, credit to AT and T, they've obviously pulled in, um, they pulled in rolling up uh, to do an on the range show. I watched a bit of it this morning. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and so the point being, there's now there's all these streaming elements, these yeah. uh, streaming. Um, uh, places so isn't it beyond somebody within the NC2A or somewhere uh, within some media rights department to, to start streaming college golf yeah you well can stream no laying up live from the range if at t see the value in that surely they can see the value uh, someone can see the value in, in streaming in streaming I, college golf or I think you've yeah. you've summed up the co I'm sure the coaches agree with you but right now they need to get their live scoring working again well there you <laughs> and, go and they'll watch how they do have agreements in place for many years but they definitely have to to watch this because it's uh it's 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 they were building something and building momentum and we know there's momentum because of the money these these programs are getting in donations and and the and the attractiveness to to a donor to see their money go and and ultimately lead to somebody ending up on the tour or ending up working for them all that stuff uh but it, it it's i just think it's taking a back seat to kind of how this whole thing plays out and uh and of course just the whole media world lawrence i mean i i, I it's just such a mess and i have the the new new box from comcast and charter that's supposed to save the day and kind of merge cable and streaming and it, it's it's terrible it just doesn't it, do, it yes i can punch in the, the i can go back and forth between two things but they keep making the media experience worse and you've seen that in music um 
you know, we know streaming is not as good a quality. It's a weird thing we see constantly in these uh, so-called advancements. The quality gets worse and then it gets more spread out and people get kind of uh, confused to the point they just sort of forget about it. And that's golf's one of big golf's big problems right now is you had this hub with the golf channel and now that's kind of gone and, 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 you know, great. No laying up is on the range. Uh, Barstool has been paid to be down at the live event. Um, so there are people looking for new ways to, to work around uh, what used to be that hub. But um, so it's just, it's, I don't think it's anything unusual. Every sport's kind of dealing with this except the NFL. <laughs> well, um, again, I, I blame the, the NC2A. Um they have they have the rights, obviously, to college golf. Um, but the the golf channel started essentially inventing events so they could bro- to to right, circumnavigate to circumnavigate the NC2A. Um, they had the East Lake Cup as an invention. There was other tournaments. There was a I seem to remember. I think it was a couple of Stanford kids. They did a bit of streaming on. Um, the numbers were pretty poor. But I wonder if that's not an idea that's uh, whose time may, may be coming. I mean, that was two or three years ago. I remember a good friend, Andy, at, um, at Friday. He did uh, on-course coverage from an event at Bandon Dunes. It was right, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, so maybe that idea, you know, it's time might be coming. Uh, hopefully it was because there's nothing more. I just love college golf. I think it's wonderful. It's great to go and watch. The quality of golf is incredible it's not much yeah. below, as you say it's not much below the corn ferry tour uh and in fact you have a college golfer going out and winning on the pga tour here i uh, we're talking about pebble beach uh jeff it's uh what's it called is uh elev- I'm, I, I lose track signature. the branding signature. signature we just went through this yeah yeah but it, it used to be an elevated event i mean who knows i'm terrible branding that used uh, signature event well, um, yeah. better than designated uh, <laughs> yeah um yeah god the um so elevated prize money as um 80 no, players no pro, 80 players no more pros at the weekend uh, no more amateurs at the weekend oh god that would be that would be a terrifying throw it was just the amateurs at the weekend could you imagine unwatchable uh so no amateurs at the at the weekend which is a i mean that's a great improvement i think um no cut uh, uh, yeah. yeah no oh are you a uh, will you be missing Bill Murray being an absolute dick? At the no, weekends, but I, I do think that there is something you, there was something special about the event, uh, especially as we got more athletes playing in recent years, I could care less about seeing the CEO of uh, whatever. And, and uh, some of the, but, but a lot of people enjoy the celebrity thing. It was once a year. It was a tradition. Uh, yeah. I got weird at times with Bill Murray or, or, you know, nobody needed to hear, uh, certain people sing songs, but uh, at the same time, I, 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 they've just chipped away at so many things that were were little traditions within the tour, and that's that's where I kind of have my doubts about um, where things are going. But yeah, so it's a no cut event. They've uh, jettisoned Monterey Peninsula, which I'm sure the players would much rather have played either of those two spectacular courses instead of Spyglass. But the Pebble Beach Company, I'm sure, uh, calls that shot. And uh, <laughs> and it's not like it's the end of the world. They're playing Spyglass. Don't get me wrong. But as we know, Jack Nicklaus you know, famously said, Pebble Beach and Cypress Point make you want to play golf and Spyglass Hill <laughs> makes you want to go fishing. Um, and, uh, not, not much has changed on that front, even though they all hit it about 40 yards longer. So 
yeah, the weather's terrible. The forecast is awful, so we'll see. But, uh, yeah, no cut, 80 players. We've been told it's the greatest field in the history of the tournament, which is strictly off the numbers. You look at the names, and nobody's going to make that claim once you look at the names and you know how many guys are either at live or or just think the years past. So it should be a good event if the weather cooperates. The uh, the golf course, Jeff. Um, again, much debated, and I'm, we're not going to break any new grounds. Just make the cake because I read quite a lot, and I find myself saying it sometimes. Oh, that golf course is overrated. I don't really know what I'm talking about. I mean, what's your view on Pebble? Yeah, I just don't buy the the overrated thing. I think it's uh, even it's what I consider it's kind of deteriorated state in terms of changes. Uh, it's still. It's still incredible. Uh, it's still, it's an amazing experience to play it, to, to the way it starts out. Yeah, the first hole's not that great, whatever. I get it. It's, it's, but it's not a bad hole. It's just gets you away. And then it just builds from there. Um, I think it's, it's taken more of a beating in recent years because, and I'll, I'll take some credit for this. Uh, I'll take a lot of credit for it. It's those, <laughs> we've started showing what it looked like after. Chandler Egan and Robert Hunter and, and friends redid it for the 1929 amateur. And it was really wild and spectacular. And those inland holes were especially cool with all the sort of faux dunes. And it's, it's gotten cleaned up. I noticed that the, uh, what was it? The women's, what did I, where, where was it recently? I mean, the bunkers are just blinding white again. Um, they think they brought that sand in from Idaho that people think is so special, but uh, architecturally, you know, it's lost it's lost a few things with the greens shrinking. And that's really the thing that they, that's very hard for them to remedy without closing holes. And then saying to people who've paid a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, the seventh hole is almost the, the green is almost a circle now. And it used to be one of the coolest shaped greens imaginable with a back left pin, back, right pin, front, left, front, right, all these cool dimensions to it in addition to the setting. And so it's just lost some of that, those dimensions that said when you're out on it uh and in terms of getting to watch tournaments there it's it's phenomenal it's phenomenal imagine if the tour championship was there or um uh, yeah just anyway it's it's a it's a great place and um uh but i do understand why it's dropped in some of the rankings it's it's a it's an architectural thing and and uh, trying to get that back is just tough with uh, all the tournaments they have and, and all the money that uh, the whole area relies upon uh, from traffic to Pebble Beach Golf Links. Uh, yeah, I've spent many a, a happy day down, down there following golf. I remember taking our kid down there when he was oh, seven or eight years old for Jordan Spieth's first, uh, first appearance as a pro. Um, all sorts of great memories. Played it in 2002, first for the first time in 2002 with a pal of mine. I can still remember every shot. So maybe that's the measure of a of a great golf course that you can remember basically everything you've you've done as you walk. It, it should be it. the number it's one course in the United States. That's that's the problem. And but it's just lost so many elements uh, that that and that's that's a bummer. But you're right. Being watching a tournament out there. I mean, maybe the arguably the coolest thing that I've ever gotten to do in golf i'm uh was was watch uh, gary nicholas play in the amateur there and walk with jack nicholas and i mean i didn't you know i did i i stayed back but every once in a while i'd make a comment and as the day went he talked a little bit more and uh, that was at the 2018 amateur and then i got to sit with him at lunch thanks to De dave shedlowski and uh i got to talk to him inter ask jack some 
offbeat questions uh and the bus ride back and stuff like that i mean it, but it's so cool it was yeah i mean on the fifth tee i went well so are you happy with how this came out well you know yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it achieved my it achieved our goals and you know but anyway he was once I asked him a couple of questions that that were no normal writers wouldn't ask, he really opened up. Um, so that was, uh, but yeah, That's it's great. a great place for a tournament. It, it's uh, I uh, I always enjoy watching it, even even though it, I cringe looking at the tenth green and the sixth green and the seventh green and on and on we go. So the uh, quickly another uh, pebble memory: two thousand and nineteen Carmel Cup uh, college golf event. We went down on a Saturday to see. Scotland's very own Sandy Scott. He had a fantastic three wood on 18, by the way, uh, to about 15 feet. Uh, I think he missed a putt. Mm. Anyway, but we went down to see Sandy, but lo and behold, the tournament was won by a guy that no one ever heard of again, Ludwig Aberg. Or Oberg. Yeah. So that was the first experience of, of, of Ludwig. Had a nice chat with him afterwards in the car park as the Texas Tech team were all getting their sandwiches from the, the grocery store up there. Um, anyway, looking forward to this week. I'm actually, yeah. I, I always get excited. Sorry, sorry, go on. No, oh, no, I was going to say he had a nice tournament at the uh, Scandinavian Masters last week down at Torrey Pines. Oh, oh excuse me, the Farmers <laughs> Insurance Open. I'm sorry, it was. It just felt like a European tour event. I'm sorry, I, I, I get him confused. Um, anyway, I'm I'm very excited. I don't want us to be grumpy old men complaining about everything. I'm pretty excited. This week. I'm always excited when Rory's in the field. I'm sorry, I'm such a fanboy. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, I might even take a wander down. Actually, quite. I'd like to go down and see. We should really talk about it. You brought, you touched on it earlier, and we missed it because we didn't have a show last week. Nick Dunlap won the Amex. Oh, wait. Um, yeah. Well, when yeah, um, the uh, but you, I want you've got quite a good point to make on this. I want to hear it. I think people would be interested. The uh, take a few days to decide. I mean, he shouldn't. He, should, he had to turn pro, didn't he, Jeff? I mean, he could, could he go back to college and? You know, I don't know. Well, uh, I guess play I, through the year I, yeah. with his teammates and you know win the NC. Well, he might. They probably will. Alabama won't win the NC2As this year, but uh, they would have a good run. Uh, what do you think? Right decision, wrong decision? Oh, I don't think it's a wrong decision, but I think there was a scenario where he could have stayed uh, an amateur a few more months and finished the college season and then done it. Um, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, this was, he had to do this. Cause I, I mean, one of them made me, I <laughs> thankfully had just swallowed a cup of coffee. Otherwise I would have spit it out. Uh, somebody noting that it was, uh, it's a good move. Cause you can start building uh, points for the 2025 signature events. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. We've been a fanboy and a state media member way too long when we're going there. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, the, the positive I think is that I sense it took him a few days and, and there were some great comments from his coach implying that they were working out some things. Uh, yeah, there were buzzwords, but the point was trying to make sure he's not the next Matthew Wolf, that he is comfortable, that he's in a place where he's a young guy. This is a shocking change of a uh, turn of events, even though this is what he was dreaming of doing. And in a few months, he probably would have been turning pro anyway. But this is a, a a different situation. He's going to be in the spotlight more, uh, and they made sure it seems like to make sure whatever his situation is around him in terms of living, travel, uh, all that stuff that they had that kind of figured out. Because I think we saw with Matthew Wolf that 
that uh, he was probably not ready for the things that uh, were prescribed for him, you know, move to Florida and all that stuff. And, um, and he, and he had a lot of struggles with that. And he's a, I think he has a good heart and he's, he's a little, he's sensitive in certain ways. And, uh, and I don't mean that in a, I mean that in a most positive way possible. And he probably got pushed a little fast, uh, to, to do some things. So that's a positive. I, you know, I, I worry, of course, the press release from the tour, it led with his, uh, he's going to be the youngest player on the tour, which seemed, uh, sort of pathetic, but we know we, we we're students of youth desperation syndrome here. And it, it's, uh, it's strong down there in, in, uh, Ponte Vedra and, yep. uh, the, yeah, how much they're going to ride that for whatever marketing reasons they think that makes a difference. So, um, you know, good for him. It was a great story. And, and I hope he, uh, I hope he gets those points to get in those signature events next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Youth desperation syndrome. It's, it's claimed many victims over the years, Jeff. Yeah. Um, um, but you kind of hope that uh, Dunlap, he's a great player, even though he did get humped by John Goff at the Walker cup, uh, six and five in the Saturday singles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll, yeah. Well, well, the other, that. You know, the other thing you see him wearing wrist tape, he's had a little bit of an injury thing. So they also have to, he's got to make sure he can't do Rory's schedule. Uh, geez, he's going to play every week going to the masters. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it's just stuff like that. I, I feel again, I'm, I'm kind of encouraged. It sounds like they're going to, they're going to pick the right spots for him, uh, around him. And he seems like he's a pretty sensible guy and that he, uh, he sticks up for himself and, and uh, I love that he reflected on it for a few days and I know he got ripped for pulling out of Tory, but I think he had to do that to kind of, this was a, this isn't a once in a, you know, it's crazy situation. So I, and, when I saw yeah. that, Jeff, I, I can, I can believe he was actually in Tory. Wasn't he supposed to be at school? Well, it was sort of a last minute, two sponsor invites that his agent got him uh which you know there's that whole agent thing and that's another element of this yeah i know yeah i know he's supposed to be in school it's i i get that they, they're pros already lawrence i mean come on but i think well, they're basically, not i know they're not I know. jeff but well, some of them are not i i know <laughs> certainly one of my acquaintance certainly isn't him and he i was speaking to him on the phone last he night he was doing homework that. down at the the, yeah. the at the american express he said <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, we will not get into the academics at Alabama. I'm sure they're no. very strong. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, good luck to Nick Dunlap this week and every week. Uh, you like to see yeah. um, good good players thrive. I hope he can handle the, what comes with uh, life on the PGA Tour. It's a uh, in college golf is a load, but uh, I think the, playing the PGA Tour is an even bigger load. And it, you know, you turn up at a college a college golf event these days, a lot of good players. Oh, it's uh, something else when you get to the PGA Tour level. Uh, but good, good luck to him. Um, well, the Gordon Sargent next. Yeah. Um, yeah well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it was a, a, I mean, let's not relive. I mean, a, tw a twenty-year-old kid winning on the PGA Tour is is magnificent. We'll, we'll kind of just yeah, leave yeah, it yeah, at that. Um, I mean, that. That Amex events, some somewhat goofy, you would say, but um, yeah, he played brilliantly, and you know, it was great. Uh, his finish down the closing hole was quite something but uh the guys who follow have known that uh Dillap since he was a kid uh they, he's always been a closer apparently so there you go he um he looks to have a great free great future as i say gordon Sargent will be next um actually jeff we talked about um an amateur winning on the pg a couple of podcasts ago we were floating names around 
Um, Dunlap wasn't one of them, but uh, I thought it'd be maybe two or three years. But we both, I think we both yeah. said it was coming. Little did we know it was coming within the space of a month. Uh, I don't think he'll be the last. There's another couple of guys coming through uh, who I think there's one in particular, a freshman at, um, at Auburn. I think he's an absolute superstar. Uh, the PGA Tour put this thing out, this video out, Jeff. I don't know if we spoke about it with all sorts of kids, you know, 15-year-old kids, you know, the, talking about the future of the PGA Tour. <laughs> and they included a couple of kids who were, who were at high school. Jesus, God. Yeah, it's um, creepy. Anyway, uh, the uh, Pebble Beach this week. Uh, actually, Jeff, we should be already touched on it. Um, really interesting developments. No laying up uh, on the on the range. Didn't um, the Golf Channel used to do live from the range? Uh, no they, laying up seems to be doing live from well, the range now. Well, it's their paid um, Golf Channel. They'll they'll show up if you'll pay, and they are going to be there this week. Which that also is, I think, fascinating. I just got the press release uh, while we were talking, and and of course, all the TV times are wrong in it. Things are really dialed in back there. Uh, but the, uh, everything's on from 2 to 5 a.m. and 11, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. on every show, every everything this week. But uh, they do list wow. that Rich Lerner, Paul McGinley, and Johnson Wagner will be doing. Well, you know, this is a signature event, Lawrence. They're going to they're gonna be there, yep. too, which means AT&T paid the million dollars to have them there. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so it's an interesting time there in the media world with the, the no laying up. Being able to do live from the range—that's that's not uh, that you have to go through a lot of layers there on the on the contracts and stuff with the tour, and of course Barstool uh, being paid to uh, prop up the live event down in Mayakoba. It's uh, it's an interesting time in the uh, with all the the gangs of golf. Uh, what what gang do you do you most? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, old angry, old angry Scottish dads golfer. I don't have the, that. Um, I don't know that guy. No. Is that, I don't think Good yeah. Goods that group anyway. The uh, I I was laughing. I was watching the rolling up coverage this morning. It's really good. They're great. You know, they're kind of yeah. Authentic. The conversations they, are good. Yeah, and really, I love Tron. He's awesome. Um, they're all good. Uh, they've all got different personalities, and it's great and really authentic. And clearly, just love golf, and I think that appeals to. To the audience, uh, I'll be compare. Be interesting to compare the Golf Channel's coverage with no laying, no laying ups coverage. Um, I suspect. I think Golf Channel will have day, better lighting. That'll be my guess. Oh, that was funny. Yes, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm expecting a tweet from Brando Chambly about the quality of the lighting <laughs> and the uh, no laying up coverage. Yeah, uh, yeah very good. Uh, the other um, event uh, is Live Golf's first event of the season, Jeff, down in Mayakoba. Uh, new players, uh, John Ram. Is, God Almighty, it's less than, again five or six weeks since John John Ram announced he was going to live. He's he'll be playing golf, start playing golf this week, and nobody cares. Nobody noticed. Nobody's noticing. Nobody's talking about it. It's quite something. Uh, a couple of new players in the last week or so: uh, Tiro Hatton, um, Adrian Moronk. Uh, there's um, Moronk. I can't remember which team Moronk has gone to, uh, but Hatton's on uh, John Ram's uh, Legion 13 team, I think they're called, along with Caleb Surat, another college golfer who's made the jump. Uh, he's a sophomore. He's in his sophomore year at Tennessee. Uh, I'm surprised that they alighted on uh, Surratt. I mean, obviously, he was a member of that U.S. Walker Cup team at the old course in the, uh, in the autumn there. Uh, the, any number of guys could have gone because any number of guys are at the same level. Any number of guys in college golf are at the same level as, as Surratt, but he seems to have been the, uh, the lucky one or the unlucky one who got picked. It'll be interesting to see how he does. Um, any interest in what's going on with this this week, Jeff? 
Uh, well, we did get clarification that uh, this is not related to Julius Caesar, the Legion 13 name. It's actually oh, yeah. a Spanish legion uh, related to King Alfonso in the 1920s. So, so it makes a little more sense. Wait, did you did you mention Hatton? Uh, did I mention Tehran? I don't think oh, you yo, mentioned did, yeah. the biggest. Oh, yeah, I, I mean that's the biggest get um, because yeah. he, de he depletes the European tour socials uh, casting call uh, chart. Uh, he's top guy on those social things, but uh, uh, and then yeah, Caleb Surratt's an interesting one. Nineteen years old, going to travel the world. That's uh, that's a big leap, and uh, with those two role models in Rom and Hatton. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he's going to learn how to old... swear. Uh, well. But, um, and throw clubs but uh yeah uh no i have zero interest in it um i think it's uh, but obviously it's brutal for to keep losing people like hatton and Maroc. uh these are these are guys who you feel like are kind of on the cusp of 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 a of a good run or even winning a major those two uh they're kind of in their primes and i mean they're not going to move any needle in terms of uh the average audience out there that that wants to tune into golf but it just continues that slow drip that that kind of eating away at at the tour and it's and the uh, dp world tour and it's um it's it's brutal but um i i think yeah i don't know i i don't really have much else to say they'll be on the cw they have a new announcer they have a new pregame show and uh they yeah, it's going to be business as usual for a while with them until we find out what the the heck's going on with all this stuff. So, um, there you go. That's that's live. That's our our uh, golf world at the moment. And um, I don't know what else to say, Lawrence. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, I see the the live chief media officer was it Will Steger uh, quoted our friend Josh Car Carpenter did the story yeah. about live lives media coverage. Uh, apparently. Uh, <laughs> they will be they'll be a, a bit more regular with their updates on audience numbers although mm -hmm. we won't be seeing it week to week the quote from the chief media officer we don't see as a story week to week on what our numbers are so i'm not sure how often we'll actually get around to it I, yeah you know, i had yeah. to laugh at that actually again just speaking on the shift and viewing habits we talked about no laying up at um we talked about nulling up on the range at Pebble Beach. Uh, I did speak the last time we did a podcast. I was speaking about the Majestics um, behind-the-scenes series update on issue two. Oh, issue three is out again. this week. Oh, oh well. Gosh. But, no, hang on a second. Uh, the point being, uh, um, I spoke about how I thought it was pretty good content. Issue two wasn't, or episode two wasn't as good as episode one. Episode three is out, I think, today. So how about mm. dropping out? But the numbers were actually really good, Jeff, for Live Golf. Um I think there was 50,000 downloads on on the whatever it's called, the series is called. Again, not huge, but in, in global terms and YouTube terms, but certainly in Live Golf's terms, if I'm running the media operation at Live Golf, I would look at something like that and think, oh, hang on a second. They've 10x their numbers or 20x their numbers with actually putting a bit of thought into streaming content or not, you know, something non-linear content. Um, so uh, just a, again, not a, not a big deal, but a little straw in the wind, I would think. Uh, I think you, uh, you might see a little bit more of that, both from Live Golf and probably from the PGA Tour. It's a it's a it's a it's a field well worth mining. I think it's the future. Uh, we're going to come on to the um, framework agreement and what's going on there, Jeff. But um, well, but as we, I say, yeah, go on. Well, before we leave. 
these these the actual encore yeah. stuff. I I think we do have to talk about uh, the the Tory Pines leaderboard and how. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Staggeringly we, European that was <laughs> again, even though Jaegers have been playing the Corn Ferry Tour, but that that it was. A, what does that say? Yeah, we've heard for behind the scenes the tour has been relentless the pj tour about the world ranking being uh biased against them and not providing enough points because the pj tour is so superior and and again it's one week i understand that but uh here are these guys who've been given the opportunity to to come to the pj tour uh, on the top 10 uh dp season end thing that they uh the strategic alliance uh, negotiated and and one of those guys wins the event at tory and it just to me it just again it's one week but it sure it sure suggested that there's some really great golf being played in europe right now and that the world ranking folks who are already under pressure to deal with the live situation i think are just gonna have to to take another look and say well well, I, I, yeah, were we, are we, uh, did we, did we devalue the, the DP tour, uh, DP world tour a little too, too quickly? Um, well, it's a very good point. Um, the deal I think was, actually, I actually want to ask you this. The deal was t um, the top 10 players without uh, status on the PGA tour. Yeah. Um, DP world tour would get their cards, full membership cards. And in return, the guys who finished 125 to 200 on the PGA tour would get full membership of the European tour. Um, and again, it's early in the season yet, and things have yet to shake out. But I, the obviously, all the European guys have taken advantage. Most uh, of them who got the card have, have come over and, and played, right? Uh, except, but looking at Olison, who will who will be coming according yeah. to some reports. But he won last week as well over in the UAE, yeah. which is where he lives. But uh, you know, another guy who who will be coming to the PGA Tour, and he just won the European Tour event and and uh, held off. Uh, the other, uh, the other Hogarth. So good for him. Uh, but, but as I say, most well, eight or nine of the ten European guys have come over. But I was looking yeah. at the fields, and I, I'm, I'm not quite sure where they fit. Where the that one twenty five to two hundred category, yeah, PGA Tour player category, fits in on the European Tour. But none of the Americans are are heading over there. Really, I, 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 I yeah, mean, I it just speaks to the. It just speaks to the insularity. It's it's been there. It's a, yep. It's been there for decades, and I don't. I really do not understand well, it. I will um, now. Let's defend well, our guys here. the The purse over there uh, is not quite the purse of Tory Pines. So the 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 incentive to come over here, you're playing for more. If you have a so so week, you're not going to be losing money on the week. So that that would be the only thing I would say. Uh, but yeah, but, I think I think this then the weeks where there's a signature event. Um, or an event where they're they they can't get in a regular tour event. Probably the waste management next week would be another one. It'll be interesting to see if we're seeing those names start to pop up in Europe. Um, yeah, but you're right. Uh, the insularity is it's an issue. It's a big issue because yeah, and, yeah. You know, broaden your horizon. Go and have a look. Uh, find a place to play. Find a place to win. You know, you you do well if you fancy your chances. If you've been a a, a PGA Tour player, you got to fancy your chances of uh, going over into Europe and winning a, winning an event over there. Um, but nobody well, seems to be taking the opportunity. No, and it's it's as we know that again, it's early, so let's see what happens where they yeah. start. The, yeah, you know, but and and the bigger topic in this is that insularity is also something where where 
sensing is a problem at the top level of the PGA Tour and probably why there's been this struggle to, as we saw some some stories were close, we're watching for the the smoke to start coming out of the uh, the global home uh, to signify an agreement. But I think it's at the at the core of why they've been struggling to make an agreement. There's one vision that's turned golf into an F1 style global tour, and there's the stick to America, CBS and NBC on the weekends, and do it the way we've always kind of done it with some tweaks. And it feels like that's at the heart of this this sort of struggle to uh, figure out how to merge because it is a merger, uh, whether people well, want to call it that or not. Before we dive into the guts of that, Jeff, a couple more things. Uh, what does it say that on the PGA Tour that's uh, the, not the cream of the PGA Tour, but certainly the rank and file, the, mo- the mules or whatever you want to call them, I lose, get beaten by an amateur one week and then get beaten by a guy who's... who's um, a journeyman. Third tour, of, yeah. Well, third tour event ever. Well, Pavon's not a journeyman, uh, but but yeah, he's he's, he's thirty one or something. Yeah, whatever he is. And, oh, 32. Um, 32. He, he 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 was listed at thirty one and some things, and then I think I know suddenly it went to thirty two in the the game stories after. So he may have clarified with somebody his age. Yeah, but but they lose to an amateur one week, and then they, they get beaten by a, a European tour guy that the following who's playing his third event in the states. Maybe these guys. Maybe their thoughts that they were worth, some of them are worth NFL money. Uh, maybe they've kind of over overestimated, you know, their talent and their worth. Um, you know, so uh, it's a bit of a, you know, if I was in a PG, a, a mid-table PG tour player, I'd maybe uh, look at myself in the mirror and think, well, hang on a second, I might have to uh, step up my game here. But anyway, that'll be uh, interesting to to follow. I'm really looking forward to seeing how these European tour guys. What if one of them wins? What if Robert McIntyre wins this week? I don't know if he's even in the field at Pebble Beach. He probably is. No, it's not. It's a, it's a signature event. He he's be. not. No, he but missed anyway, his first cut. Yeah, but uh, yeah. But I mean, that leaderboard he, was was heavily European. You had yeah, uh, Nikolai almost won. Uh, you had uh, Oberg played. Uh, he had a T nine. You had Jaeger. Uh, and I don't mean to sound like a condescending American, but CBS had to fill whatever about 20 minutes after the tournament because they had to build in time in case there was a playoff. And yeah. uh, so Amanda Balionis interviewed all three of them, uh, uh, Jaeger, Hogarth, and, and and Pavon, and and they were all fantastic and well spoken. Their English was fantastic. They were they showed you know some character, of course. Yeah, Hogarth's got all the cliches about the team and my team and good luck to congratulations yeah. to his team and our teams and you know, but <laughs> whatever that's the way we're going in golf but it, they were great they were great they were I don't think anybody was watching at that point it's a Saturday night uh in the U.S. on the East Coast but it was uh it was just another thing that was fascinating um, and by the way I did want to say one other thing I noticed a few people commenting the crowds were kind of uh uh, not very they weren't very loud down the stretch and i think part of it obviously was there weren't many uh, american guys in contention but you have to remember at tory pines they've put uh corporate around the last five holes i've written about this and you can see what influence i have as a writer i wrote about it several times <laughs> in like 2018 and 19 uh they haven't changed one bit and so the way the, the only places the fans could get close is that a little sliver of 17 green on the right and uh, and then on the right of 18 green, but you can't, you're just looking into the sun there. Uh, and maybe there's one little spot over on f- oh, 15 down, down below where you can't see the green. So the people can't react to a ball going in the hole unless they're in the corporate chalets. 
and those seemed kind of quiet. So anyway, people, I, I just wanted to explain why it seemed like there was not a lot of energy, and and it, I don't think it was generally an anti-European thing. It was more of the way those finishing holes work at Tory. The uh, I'm looking here. The yeah, the number, the viewing, the viewing figures are pretty, pretty bad. For, down twenty-seven percent. Yeah, for, for the, for the uh, farmers. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, for yeah. the farmers. Although Saturday finish, uh, I'm guessing less people are watching. People might might not have known that the tournament was finishing on a Saturday, so that would perfect. Well, it is the what was it? Was it the second year of that? So I mean, they uh, promoted it. Um, yeah, but I, I think that's really more. I'm trying to remember. Uh, what would have been the draw last year? So yeah, no, it's oh. not uh, not yeah, it was, great. It was, well, it was Max. It was Max Homer last year. Uh, oh right, you know, yeah, that's California right. Um, so anyway, the other I don't want to leave Tory without mentioning uh, there was an attempt to. I thought it was bullshit actually. Um, we are aficionados of uh, watching PG Tour pros, all pros, mashing down the grass yeah. behind our ball. There was an attempt to kind of slur. Uh, Pavon uh, with that. I thought it was, as I say, complete bullshit. Um, he, he couldn't even, they were accusing him of, of kind of, he couldn't even see his ball. So how do you know where he was mashing in the in the rough uh, down, in, down in 18? So again, I'm always quick uh, to yeah. jump on that kind of stuff. But in that instance, I thought it was uh, completely out of order. I, I would um, agree. Again, and I, yeah, I, I the main evidence was the way the ball landed on the green. Well, if you were watching the broadcast, guys were hitting woods into the green and they were hitting and kind of like a sponge and stopping so yeah but it, there is the bigger issue of what we see pretty much on every oh. shot both in rough or in fairway the 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 placing of the club down and the constant placing and then the pushing and the the mashing it's it's not good i just didn't i didn't i didn't find it definitive uh so i i think it was the the concern was heightened because he rushed up to his ball while the other guys were waiting to go for the green which is a normal thing to do but he was in, he was in a, a hurry he hit the shot from the fairway bunker so fast too fast in uh, Dottie's view because he he uh it, it was one that could have gone wrong and then he ended up pulling it in the rough which a lot of guys do on that second shot uh but it was that speed with which he got up to the ball I think that made people go wait a second what's going on but there were a lot of people are in those those uh that corporate thing on the left that can look down and see you do it i i i uh, oh, so i don't yeah. know we are uh, we're already spending too too much yeah. time on this I yeah thought, exactly. I, yeah i thought it was um ridiculous uh congratulations to him i can't wait to see how he does for the rest of the year <laughs> yeah it's gonna be so because <laughs> i tell you what um olsen's gonna come over he is playing really good I mean, yeah. he won in europe uh sunday and my goodness you know Actually, Danish golf is in, is doing Scandinavian yeah. golf, Jeff. Um, I tweeted out something the other day. I, I think I've spoken to you about this before. I genuinely feel by you know, the mid-2030s, the, the European team at the Ryder Cup is basically going to be full of Scandinavians. They are producing great player after great player after great player. Um, you know, you've got um, the Hoygar twins are coming through, yeah. but there's another couple of Swedes coming in behind that. There's a kid called Simon Hovald. I think it's going to Texas Tech next year. He is just, I saw him at the Jack Ligley's Trophy this year. What a player he is. 
Um, and there's a kid at, um, called Albert Hansen at Georgia Tech. Watch out for him as well. He is another fantastic British boys well, champion from a few years ago. And don't forget P- Pavon. He, I mean, I forgot, and I put it in my notes on the uh, in the newsletter, but I, I forgot he was the one who I remembered somebody had birdied the last four holes to bump yeah, Rasmus Sogard, right. and I forgot it was Pavon who did that. I mean, and he knew yeah. what was. I mean, he was that was he knew what was on the line. He wanted that option to have that PJ Tour card, and he birdies his last four holes. So, uh, and then that putt, by the way, we know over the years at, at eighteen at Tory, uh, a lot of people don't. They don't make those putts very often, um, either That's right. and not just because of the poet. It's just a hard putt to read. People have trouble reading the putt downhill to the hole, and I didn't expect him to make it. And, uh, yeah, he made it. It was a good thing he did because uh, Hogard was going to – he had an eagle putt, and he ended up making birdie, and it was ended up being the difference. So, uh, yeah, uh, so he's going to the Masters, and, and – uh, and uh, he's, he looks like a very talented guy who's who's really locked in right now. Good for him. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll finish up with a quick chat on the two stories. I think that really stood out this week on the whole PG Tour PIF uh, framework agreement thing. One was in uh, Sportico. We're talking about Sportico again. Another yeah. good story in Sportico. Um, they were, they revealed actually there was one this morning I saw um, before we move on to that. Uh, Adam Silver re upping re about to re up at the NBA. Ah, so that's uh, so he's the dream is over. For, yeah, oh, the dream has died. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that yeah. Uh, the, but the sportica story it was talking about the strategic sports group or the sports strategic yeah. group. I can't remember what it is. Uh, that's the all the American private equity guys, uh, VC guys, um, about to execute the, their investment in in the PG Tour Enterprises uh, organization. Um, so I, I don't know what that means. Um, but the one good nugget from it was that their total investment is, I think, is about three billion. That's way or below three billion or whatever. No, 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 no. Wait a second. Oh, Gone. I believe the terminology in the story was that it's significantly less than the number that had been reported at three billion, and the tour seemed to confirm the way I read the story. Well, is that right? Uh, but, but I remember. I, I'm old enough to remember when the number was, that was being thrown about was ten billion. So, well, one, I mean, at times, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, if it's below th- three, but well, I mean, that's not, that seems pretty low, doesn't it, Jeff? Well, it depends uh, what they're, well, what they're how depends, much they're yeah, buying. What are they the getting? Yeah. yeah. What are they buying? What are they? I mean, is it possible, Lawrence, we've been wrong all along and that, that it's not Yasir who, who wants to, to buy access to America's great leaders and CEOs and money people, but that it's the opposite that this group is wanting to buy access to him. Uh, and the the seven hundred to billion to a trillion dollars, whatever the number is at the moment, um, I, I've heard it's closer to a trillion now. The the public investment fund, you know, Ramco's had a nice few years of profits. Yeah. Uh, is it possible that these, you know, the thing that, that that kills that theory a little bit is so far we've had a an opposition in this country to. Uh, I know this word is no longer politically correct. Foreign ownership uh, of sports franchises, and and you know the Trailblazer situation. There are a few signs of that cracking, and the NFL may let it may let it change if they if they expand to Europe. But uh, that would be the one th- thing against that theory. But it, it you know these are it's I'm trying to I'm just still trying to understand why all these successful sports team owners are doing this without a franchise model that we can tell of and what, like what they're getting. And maybe it's just that they want to, 
they want to have access to the public investment fund too, and and they can become a minority owner uh, of other teams, uh, the the PIF that is. So I, you know, yep. it's possible. It could be actually what the opposite of what we've we thought. Um, of course, nobody still knows what what any of them are would, are investing in. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 don't, some I idea, didn't understand. But when you executing their investment was, was an, an interesting phrase Ooh, that usually means that choice, the, I mean, that, that's sending in the accountants. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that's what, you know, when, it, you know, when these private equity guys get involved and they're executing their investments, that's when they send in the bean counters uh, and to see what, what they can shave off in terms of costs and what they can sell off in terms of you know, yeah. assets. Um, but you're dead right. It's, it's, it's still not clear and what they are investing in, uh, no franchise model, no clear direction for the PG Tour in future, and a still extremely active and powerful rival. Um, if I was a member of the sports strategic group, then I would be somewhat uh, concerned as things currently stand. The other interesting phrase was that they are investing solely in domestic rights. What did that mean, Jeff? PG Tour domestic rights. Uh, um, I took that to possibly mean that that was their investment for now and what is going on domestically and that when this other shoe drops with the PIF and there's a global concept figured out that maybe that there would be more. Uh, that was the only theory I could come up with on that. But I did think I thought that was really uh, interesting. I thought the word executing was a poor choice, given given who the potential partners oh, well, are in Saudi that, Arabia. Yeah, yeah. And then I I. I thought it was interesting i know that I, I haven't found it yet but i do remember there was somebody who mentioned mid 2024 the pga tour better get some of this help financially um because the uh, the money might be drying up so i was fascinated by the idea that they're they're sending they're wiring some money uh, and it was noted this week uh so i'm not sure what that said about anything but it is it did certainly get my attention and does that mean they're needing a little little money to keep the lights on i i don't know i don't know um Very, uh, and i wondered if um, the emphasis on their investment was strictly in the domestic rights opened up all sorts of other possibilities um you know one being that this is a retrenchment the signals a retrenchment of the pga tour uh, to become a purely american organization uh, or us based organization um, but again, we always keep coming back to this point, Jeff. What are they? What are they buying? What are these people buying? Uh, they're buying a, a cemented in a media rights uh, deal that's there in place. It's going to be in place for years. They're they're buying an organization that is under th an existential threat from a, as I say, a extremely powerful rival. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And when you float when you float that idea, maybe this is Arthur Blank and Co looking to gain access to to Yasser and and the the investment fund. Um, I'm I'm sure the NFL would never allow a straight up Saudi ownership of an NFL franchise, but maybe this is the first foray into exploring minority ownership um, of of of, uh, of an NFL franchise. And if you look at the way the NFL is going, I mean, look at the numbers at the weekend for the for the championship oh, round of the unreal. Oh my goodness, um, uh, unreal. So. That would make that would you know make some kind of sense because currently there there's no sense to be made of what um what this crowd are investing in uh, when they're investing in the PG Tour enterprises. Uh, the other story uh, from our friend Bob Bob Harrig, um, 
again, and which was echoed the following day by a report in the Wall Street Journal that the we seem to be approaching the uh, announcement of a so a new version of the framework agreement. Uh, Jeff, any idea what that might be? Uh, no, it just sounds like they're, yeah. they're, they're struggling with this uh, ultimate resolution. I, I don't think the money is the issue. Obviously, it's not the issue with Saudi Arabia. It's, it's, it's how they're going to – they're not letting go of their live concept, as we see by the player signings. And so uh, it seems as if there's a there's a struggle over over this future vision. And it seems after all these months, you'd think they would have figured something out. So uh, maybe we'll find out more this week. You know, they're all convening in Pebble Beach and uh, they may have a lot of time in the tap room uh, during some of the rain delays to uh, iron out the final details. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, we, we shouldn't read anything into the smoke coming from the fireplace there because it's just going to be cold and they're going to need a fire in the fireplace. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just... Uh, I, I think we're in for a really wild couple of months that could 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 be anything from uh, the complete implosion of the tour into a new concept to uh, uh, just a constant back and forth and more player signings and weird stuff going on. So the, I wish um, I knew more. I wish we could tell people more, but that's, uh, you know, I really only cover the majors now, Lawrence. And so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, um, well, obviously, hostilities haven't, you know, calmed down to to any great extent. There's, you know, Liv is still signing players. Uh, I mean, that, they yeah. are taking the 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 kind, not the best, but they've taken in the last six weeks. They've taken one twenty five percent of the European Ryder Cup team. Oh no, Maronk wasn't, but he should have been. So, but they've taken, you know, top European players. Maybe that's their emphasis for the moment. I just wonder, Jeff, putting two and two together and making one hundred and fifty six or whatever. Uh, that that. That note of um, the sports strategic group investing in domestic rights. I wonder if there's something going on. I wonder if the PG Tour is preparing to seed the rest of the world to a combination of of uh, PIF, the European Tour, and perhaps it's you know itself would be a part ownership of some other global tour. We talked. You spoke. You mentioned that you touched on it earlier about some kind of F1 concept. Maybe we'll, we would look at a future where it would be a PGA Tour, very uh, US-centric, and then this other entity, which is owned by a combination of the European Tour, the PIF, and the PGA Tour itself, in which uh, they would run some kind of F1 types um, based around live and team concepts. And again, pure guesswork on my part. But as you say, it's just... Yeah. What I don't get about seeding the world... Uh is that it, whatever world tour could happen, uh, whatever, whatever F1 concept uh, you might look at, it would still be largely U.S.-based. It, it, uh, at least half the schedule would be in the United States. Oh, no. No? Oh, I, I, I don't think so. Sponsorship and television and, and, and the people well, involved, what they want to do in sport washing or, or whatever, and the players, you're telling me it wouldn't be at least half – Let's say it's an 18 event schedule. You're telling me at least nine of those aren't in the US? Oh, definitely not, because you know, oh, the wow. PG Tour would look at that and think, well, we don't want our we don't want a strong rival to, you know on our on our turf. Maybe we have one or two events in the US a year, but the re- the, the idea is a it's an around the world concept. Well uh, and I guess go on. Well, but I'm assuming that they're they're on board with this. 
and incorporating some existing events into that concept. Uh, so I guess that's where we're different. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming in my assumption of at least nine uh, events on that, that, that mythical tour, it's because they've added the, you know, the Genesis Scottish, the Genesis at Riviera, the AT&T, whatever are part of that, that circuit. Uh, so that's where I'm coming from on that. That's why I no. I, you know, no, abs- no, I, I, again, smarter people than us are f- trying to figure this out, and these, they appear to be at an impasse. Again, I, I would just throw that out there. Who knows what's going to happen? As you say, my main point is that you're right. We are in for an extremely wild ride over the next two, three, four, five months. The idea, I remember doing a radio show well, six months ago and say, well, there will be no live golf in 2024. Well, yeah. lo and behold, I'm reading... I'm reading a story this morning somewhere that there will be live golf in 2025 and oh, yeah. live golf will be around uh, for the next couple of years. Again, it's so fluid. There are so many, uh, you know, alternative scenarios that we can all dream up, but it, it seems to be certainly beyond <laughs> us. And it seems to be beyond smarter people than us to come up with, uh, to come up with something. Um, we'll see. Uh I personally, if if that came to pass, if there was a US centric a US centric tour and a and a round the world tour, I think it become pretty clear pretty quickly that the round the world concept carries more more heft and more, uh, you know, I think it would be a better a better idea. And then we'd you know moving mm. forward ten years, but we would get round to a, a you know just an F one style event with a strong well, emphasis in the u.s Oops. but at the at the core of these things lawrence it still comes down to the the where you're fitting within the sports world schedule and where you're playing and that's not just me being an architecture geek but we just know venues matter and you know this week it's pebble beach for the tour mayakoba for the live event and live is moving more to a model of people wanting they want people to pay them to, to bring an event to them and we know that never leads to good courses so the the venues matter more than ever because there's so much parity in the game and and we have such turnover and there's so little star power uh that that i think that's a part that's something the tour has. It has better venues and more tradition of returning to some of these places. So they have assets like that, that, that are very, you know, it's, it's just hard to explain that to some bean counters or television executives. Uh, but I think more people get that than they did a few years ago, the value of where you are. Right. right. And, and that's a, that's a good thing um, because we're just more and people are more interested in tuning into why it's just, it's just like watching a baseball game at Wrigley field or Fenway versus watching a game at uh, the Rogers center in Toronto, which is on AstroTurf and it's a, you know, a dome and it's when the domes close, the lights flat and it just, yeah, it's just, it, there's just some places you're more inclined to want to watch because they have, they have character. You're you're dead right, Jeff. We all tuned into the Asia Pacific this year because it was at Royal Melbourne. Yeah. Let's face it: the, the ideal is twenty events, twenty-two events around the world every year. Twenty-two of the greatest golf courses in the world with all the best players. Uh, Formula One golf is Formula One. I mean, it's clearly that's the if you cut through all the politics and all the money yes. and all the competing yeah. interests, that's where golf should be. Um, but we'll, I guess, we'll yeah, probably we'll never say. Get do we, do we want to just we'll, before we uh, wrap, do we want to even give the Anthony Kim uh, story any, any, uh, oh. no, we don't. Actually, uh, 
Well, well, it's interesting to see how the narrative changed in the space of a very, you know, yeah. when it came yeah. out, it was all, oh, isn't this just amazing? <laughs> and then people actually, people actually started to look at his career and who yeah. he is, and you know, essentially the guy was a punk. Yes, uh, he was a great player. Well, great player, great very talent. talented yeah. player, yeah, great and talent. exciting to watch. But he was when, a punk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, punk at college, punk in the PGA Tour. Yeah. You know, he's he's gone into semi-retirement. Uh, spending, he's clearly run out of his insurance money or whatever it is. So that doesn't suggest to, um, that, again, I better be careful here. That doesn't suggest, you know, world-class athlete habits. Um, you know, what, so what's motivating him to come back? Uh, and again, people have kind of clocked it. It was a good piece. I think it was Joel Beal and Golf Digest wrote a good piece. Yeah, and somebody yeah. else wrote, wrote a pretty good piece about him. I, I don't uh, Jamie know. Kennedy I, I, had some of his numbers on Twitter. I saw. Yeah, I was good. I was a little hard on the millennials in my Monday wrap, and I was very pleased to see as Monday played out. I just missed, but Joel filed something after I'd hit send. But yeah, it was nice to see some people finally went back and did, did a little homework and went, "Oh yeah, this isn't." But what I think what is interesting in all of this, Lawrence, is what it says about the state of star power in the game and how, how desperate people are for somebody who's a little eccentric plays with a little bit of panache. And that's what he did way back a dozen years ago. God, it was, I can't believe how long it's been, but uh, I I think that's what it spoke to more than anything. And, you know, I'm not going to go on a tangent about equipment and technology and, and how it's leading to parity and, and is a boring, uh, less interesting game to play. And it's harder for guys to, to show off great shot making and shot shaping and to, and have diverse styles of play and diverse people. So I just did, but <laughs> I think that's what the Anthony Kim hype uh, spoke to as much as anything. And he's got a, there's the, the mystery thing where he's disappeared and he's got well, the hair out right. and the guru kind of look and <laughs> And he really is. I mean, I just started listening to this podcast called Finding Matt Drudge. I didn't realize how literally nobody's got a picture or seen a picture of him in like 10 years. And so yeah. there is that, that mystery thing. There is there is something to that with with Anthony Kim, too. He's just and so everybody fell for that video that was five years old because they were just happy to see a video of him. Uh, so it's that that part's kind of entertaining. I have to say the whole wow. The whole mystery mystery man thing is is pretty impressive for in golf. It's hard to yeah with everybody having a phone now. It's kind of hard to disappear uh, in our world unless you're unless you're playing golf at uh, you know Sunnylands in the desert or uh, Porcupine Creek or whatever that Larry Ellison thing is. The um anyway, I, I saw this morning he'll probably he'll probably show up at some live event and we'll see. He might shock I, everybody and, and win it. I've, I've heard Liv is that, that they like uh, there was a quick reach out and it's it's not that's not their thing they're 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 trying to be legitimate. The um well we'll we'll see um actually I just want to hear the the locker room story somebody tell the locker room story from the two thousand and eight Ryder Cup um mm. maybe if he comes back he'll tell everybody that story but uh, until then we will leave mm. that hanging out Jeff I think we'll okay. leave it there we've talked that out um, sorry we couldn't make much sense. Of, of of what's going on with the framework agreement, as I say, no. as you say, it's extremely messy, and we can all just speculate, and we might as well speculate with with everybody else. I guess it'll become at least a little more clear over the next two or three weeks. Jeff, I will. Oh, I should quickly remind people uh, the quadrilateral your uh, newsletter uh, on Substack. If you don't subscribe, please go. 
and also we are getting ready for issue eight of Mikeller. But in the meantime, please go and because we need the money uh, to pay our writers and publish, we need printing costs are high. So mckellarmagazine.com, please go and support world-class golf writing. Jeff Shackelford, I will talk to you next week. Thanks, Lawrence. It's a wide open